vodka straight. And by the way, food was excellent, brother. You're the guy that got caught in that avalanche, right? Yeah, I'm the one. Like black men don't have enough ways to get killed without climbing up some stupid ass mountain in the middle of God's nowhere. Need to leave that to the white folks, brother. Welcome back to Afro Horror, everyone. It is Chardonnay here again, and we have such an exciting episode. This is probably the most guests we've had on the show um, ever. There's uh, five people here. No, it's four. I can't count. No, that's, yeah, that's five. Whatever. There's more than one. So this is the most we'll have. And they are the cast and crew of a wonderful film uh, that I got to watch yesterday called Johnny, I Want My Liver Back. And it is a horror film. And we've been trying to get them on the show for a few months now, but life never worked out. Now they're here. So really quickly, everyone say hello. Cast and crew of Johnny, I Want My Liver Back. Hi. Hey. Hello. Hey. I'm going to kick it off to a uh, producer, writer, um, friend of the show who reached out to me months ago asking, and we finally made it happen. Chandraya, hello. Hello. Hello, everyone. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, please tell. Okay. So we met on Instagram or Clubhouse. I can't remember which it one. Was it was Clubhouse. Clubhouse. Yeah. Excuse me. You've, you've come to a few of our rooms and you're always very engaging. And um, you've been like, I, I, can we be on the show? And I said, yes, last year. And then last year got crazy with work. Um, and then this year, it, it's the year of our, it's the year of the creator on the show. So it just made sense. Like, oh, this is a better timing. Timing works out. Do you notice things always work out on its own time and it's when it's meant to happen. So it worked out great that we were able to talk today, but I do want to, okay. Cause I don't know, you know, you outside of like clubhouse and Instagram, give us a little bit of your background as a producer and a writer. Okay. My name is Chandra Carmichael. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia, and this is my fourth project that I'm doing. It's fourth project, third horror film, but this is my first short. Um, I was used to doing, um, what? I had a feature film, which is the games that children play. And then I went to a SAG project, which is Club Orange Ellis Files. And that was a web series. And then I did a comedy for my friend, Ronisha Strickland, Southern Hospitality. That was my first time going into the comedy sitcom. And now I have Johnny Oliver back. It's a short film. Oh my gosh, you're busy. <laughs> you are creating uh, kind of producer and writer. I like, tell me um, where the idea for this short came from. Okay, well, the idea from this short came from a story that my uncle used to tell us as kids. And the story is pretty much universal. I didn't know it was universal until the idea research on it before I began to start writing the script for the actual short film. And... I was like, okay, they, they know this story in Africa. They know this story in the UK. And it was just a, a, like a, a eye-opener to me because I didn't know that this story was told all over the world, but it was told differently. I'm telling the story differently because I'm using teenagers mm. and I'm not really putting the mother in the story, like how the story is originally told with the mother. I don't want to give the movie away, but I'm trying to not... Right, the way you know, 
but I can tell the I can tell you a little bit about the background of the original story. So the original yeah, story where did the folklore like start? I want to say it it had probably start in like Europe or the UK because it's about this little boy named Johnny, and I think he's like uh, between the age of nine and ten, and his mom gives him money to go to the grocery store to buy liver for dinner, and he comes into contact with his friend, and they spend the money on candy, and so the little boy on his way home, his friend has left him. He sees a person putting the body in the ground, you know, from a funeral service. And the little boy, Johnny, takes the liver home so his mom can cook it. And his mom cooks the liver. And Johnny says he's not hungry, but he really is hungry. And so he ends up eating the liver and the mom ends up eating the liver. So it depends on how the story is told. In one story, the mom is murdered with her liver taken from her. In the other story, Johnny is murdered. His liver is taken from him. And his mom wakes up in the morning, finds him that way. And he finds his mom that way. But it's like a taunting thing going on from the ghost of the man he took the liver from. You know, wow. he haunts him the whole time because his conscience is bothering him. Okay, this is so cool. I've never heard of this folklore, but I love it because now after watching your film, you definitely put that Atlanta twist on it. And you write right. To, um, into 2022. Okay, so let's skip ahead a little bit because I don't want to uh, uh, alienate the rest of our guests here today. So what came first? You wrote you wrote it, and then who on this panel did you go to first? Was it Tony? Okay, so Tony and I was trying to do this in 2017 along with Emily Jane. Like We were trying to do a something like Creep Show. So we titled it The Story of Jane and John Doe. And we have like four stories that you want to put into the actual full feature film, but we only had enough to make the one short to go, you know, um, to be a part of that. And we filmed like a little promo for this story that goes in there called The Curfew. So, but I'm not gonna get into The Curfew, but that's who we, that's who I was, came up to with that um Tony, Emily, and I. And then of course Henry, um, because we wanted him to portray a role in Journey. I want to live with that. Okay. 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 Let me let me do this because Tony's driving. Hi Tony, I see you, but be safe. I'll go to Emily. Hello, MJ, as she's known. Um all right, Emily, MJ, so you've got the script, you have your friend, you know what you want to do. What is the first step as a producer to get this done? um we would meet and just kind of first we had to get well she had the script of course but um we just had to sit down and figure out funding we had to figure out um how long we wanted it to be what platforms we wanted it to be on um what our timelines were going to be um that sort of thing lots of organizing and planning Okay, yeah. and then hi Tony, can you say hi? Is it okay? <laughs> I don't want you to crash. Um, okay, so we've got two producers, and then we've got the script, and then you go to Henry. And then how did you meet Henry, who's a fantastic actor, by the way? I really okay. Like so Henry and Emily and Tony were a part of my first film that I wrote and directed, the games that children play. So we've been friends since 2012. Okay. Okay. Great. And then Henry, you're obviously sounds like you're down for anything. You like creating with these people. What made this script 
jump out to you? One of the things that was very um, interesting about the script is that the depth of the story. And when I talk about the depth of the story, I'm talking about how intriguing it is from the beginning to the end, how it just keeps your attention. It just keeps you on the end of your seat and you never ever see the plot twist. You never ever see anything coming. So in reading that script, I agreed. I said, yeah, I would love to be a part of this because anything I could do to be a part of something that has some depth to it, that's gonna, that's gonna get people real in and just you know, get them going, get their blood pumping. I wanna be a part of that. So that's how I got a, a part of this uh, this um, project here. Okay, and then we're rounding out this this eclectic group with probably the next most important position, the director, Albion Walker. Hi, how are you? I'm well. I'm well yourself. Okay, so you explain to me from your point of view how this project came into your lap. Well, um, I did a little bit of editing for the James the games that children play. And uh, speaking with Shandrea about her future projects, she spoke about a few, uh, the curfew, this one as well. And I put my hat in the ring as the director, uh, also with editing services, and got the script, read through it. I was like, huh, kind of interesting. I liked uh, the teenage element to it and uh, sort of went through there from there. Okay, and then we have at least a section of, of the film. We're, there's still people who aren't with us today, um, some other castmates and crewmates, but this seems like this is the good core of people to get the project done. Um, Albion, I want I want to know, what are the conversations like with you and Chandrea in terms of the writer-director relationship? Obviously, you're trying to execute her vision, but was it collaborative? Did you add some notes yourself? Um, a few. So uh, mostly came with choices with some of the characters. Uh, kind of how they feel, how she saw them, how I may have saw them after I read the script, uh, some compromises here and there, uh, a lot with the casting, uh, looks, uh, even socks. I think one character in particular, the DJ character, I believe the way that Shandrea saw her, saw him, was quite differently from how I saw him, mm. but to add a little bit of the, uh, the comic feel, uh, we sort of guess went with the way that I, I saw him a bit, and it, it adds a little something different. Uh, but it was very, it's very collaborative. Um, as, as a writer, I mean, material was was strong already, and Chandrea was not opposed to listening to feedback, which is uh, something as a director that we can really appreciate. So it wasn't like she's like, I want a dragon in there, You're like, but this is a horror film. She's like, No, I need a dragon, and we got to have a dragon. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, it doesn't make sense. So hey, it was a pleasure to work with. Shandrea, talk to me because I'm I'm in um, LA, but I know, and I think we all know for a while, Atlanta is a hub for creativity. And it is the next, if not already, um, the next, the new LA. Marvel shoots all their movies in Atlanta. So look, if Marvel likes it, then we know. Um, I want to know what, what it's like producing a, um, a film in Atlanta you know in LA it feels so it's not it's not ever producing producing movies not ever easy but it feels like we have so many resources here in LA it's like we can get it done if we really wanted to get it done but I'm wondering what is it like uh being a producer or writer in Atlanta do you ever feel limited or do you feel like no we've got everything here I'm thinking the only thing that we don't have it could be like the funding like I don't know how to find investors for my projects or we don't know how to find investors I don't know if if it's more investors in LA, 
than it is in Atlanta, but I think most of the independent filmmakers here, we are relying on loans, our personal money, um, family contributing to our projects. We do a lot of fundraisers um, here. I'm, I'm not gonna say in the South, but I do fish fries. Before the pandemic came, we were going to do a fish fry to fund all our projects. A fish fry for the, oh, that's awesome. That's such yeah. a good idea. Because it worked in the past for some of my, for our, some of my projects. Some, most of the time we don't do well with our crowdfunding campaign. Right. And I'm thinking really it's because we may be new and it, either we may be new or we don't have the right people to put the project in front of mm. that could be some um issues from my point of view and also horror isn't a big sale sometimes mm-hmm. um i noticed that most of the independent filmmakers that do re- you know receive funding that's um black it's always social issues yeah. dealing with police brutality so when we have something like horror it's like oh okay well I don't know if I should do that should I donate to that is that benefiting our community that, but that's but that's my point of view um that all makes that all makes really good sense especially what you're saying about the social justice issues I want to ask um Albion and then it may be Tony, I'm trying to ask Tony questions but I don't want to interrupt Tony's driving because I don't want him to be unsafe but if you, if you hear a moment where you can jump in, Tony, feel free to just talk. But I do want to ask you, um, Albion and Chandraya, uh, do you ever feel pressure as Black creators to, to make a certain kind of uh, film, especially when, in horror now where it's like everyone's looking for the, a get out? You know, it's like, do you, you, uh, you chose a very clear path, which was we're going to tell this folklore and it's not going to be tied to race and it's not going to be tied to social justice issues. Do you ever feel a pressure, especially living in Atlanta, that you have to do that as a creator? Um, I don't feel like I have to. I try to stay away from doing movies like Get Out. My goal is to produce, write, and direct movies. I'm a Wes Craven fan. I'm a yeah. Clyde Barker fan and a Stephen King fan. And so when I do write my scripts, I don't try to see race. I try to make sure that I put everyone in a position, you know, where they are successful. Yeah. And yeah. everyone is making it. But I don't think. I can write a social justice horror story or horror because I just don't want to do that. It's a lot of black filmmakers that do do that when they um, do horror. I, I know, yeah, I know one now. Um, she she does that. I was like, I don't want to do that. Al Albion as a director. Um, as a director, interestingly enough, uh, not at all. Uh, kind of what I focus on is finding projects where there's uh, excellent character development, strong plots. And what I find is uh, a lot of the stories that we have as Black individuals on a universal level are applicable across the board. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if it's not a story that is uh, particularly dealing, say, with uh, uh, interactions with the police or maybe interactions with uh, housing or whatnot, 
I feel that there's like a dearth of stories that deal with say something like this, just individuals dealing with a messed up situation. So I think sometimes we get pigeonholed into well, if we're gonna have black leads or a black writer or a black director, then we have to tell this particularly narrow story. Not yeah. that that story is not important to tell, but there is so much more to the experience of blackness as to any individual. Yeah. That just don't want to limit it to just a few things. So no, I don't feel that pressure at all. Actually, I feel the opposite, the pressure to tell a more complete uh, personification of us. That's interesting. That speaks right to my soul as well. Um, that that what you're saying is like, yes, when we have Black leads, Black uh, people behind the camera, in front of the camera, it, it automatically gets pigeonholed as Afro-horror. But, <laughs> but, in, but what, that's why I really loved your film, because I'm like, I'm just watching a really good, like, short story horror tale that's it and and it, and it works because there are people of color in it black people too there's white people white people in it but it's just scary at the end of the day like it doesn't really matter um henry let's talk about your point of view as an actor in atlanta especially an, an actor who tends to do horror um and a black actor who tends to do horror what has your experience been like well you know working with shandrea it has really opened my eyes to the um the places that we can go when it comes to telling a story that, that's intriguing and that's full of horror. Um, Atlanta, you know, is so close to Tennessee and Tennessee is so grounded with crime shows. And that's kind of where I come from. I come from killing people on TV. Okay. So, um, the fatal attractions and the uh, murder calls and the homicide hunters and stuff like that. So that's pretty much my background uh, of where I come from. So I kind of fit right in when we're doing this type of stuff. But so, you did David Makes Man, and that was different. Yeah, now, yeah, David Makes Man was really different because I got a chance to be cast as a uh, as a minister in one of the episodes, and it actually won a Peabody Award and oh, wow. um, critically acclaimed there. And um, uh, as the only show on OWN that have been critically acclaimed, um, Terrell um, uh, wrote that, um, and he had already had a, um, I want to say an uh, Oscar from Moonlight and mm. uh, different productions that he has been doing. And it was just an a, exciting time to work with Felicia Rashad and different people uh, on that level to develop that. But jumping back to Shandrea, I, I just really, if it was not for Shandrea, first film, the games that children play and the different things that she has uh, casted me for over the years, Clairvoyance, The Ellis Files, which she wrote again, another horror suspense, um, kind of um, a law and order cross with creep show. And um, if, if it wasn't for all of that training that she gave me on that level, I wouldn't be, um, you know, where I am today. And you know, and I, I want to thank Chandrea for that. And another thing that I want to say as far as her being an African-American young woman mm -hmm. who uh, defied the odds to growing up in a, um, a disadvantaged neighborhood to where she is now being a homeowner, um, teaching young people uh, across the city of Atlanta and representing the city of, of Atlanta and the um, cultural arts department. Um, that is impressive because she has been able to uh, cast so many children, 
bring them in and actually let them be a part and see the process of putting together a, a horror film or a crime show. So there's so much that goes into the uh, Chandra Carmichael uh, and her productions than just the actors. Me, Tony Vaughn, Tawanda Braxton, those yes. names that you see every day on different um, productions, but it's so much that goes into her that you don't see. And those are the foundational things that are changing people all across the globe. Oh my gosh, that's like the best endorsement. You, must, I mean, she, she's stone-faced <laughs> over there, but I would be crying. I really, <laughs> that's the, probably the nicest thing I've ever heard someone say about a person. And I, I can already tell it's true. Look, people won't say that stuff if it's not true. They'll just say it was right. a pleasure to work with her. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that uh, that all must be true. And that actually brings me to MJ. I want to talk about the the onset culture because I mean, you guys seem really awesome together, and we hear so many horror stories of sets and how miserable they are. What what was important to you as a producer, MJ, when creating a, a culture on set for your cast and your crew? Um, we tried to make everybody feel welcome you know we we try to not do like the hierarchy of you know don't talk to me i'm you know i'm the producer or you know this is our our lead actor you know don't talk to them like everybody we atlanta is such a family a culture of family like we all work together and we try to make sure that everybody has what they need that nobody feels you know just just you know oh yeah you're just an extra but like what do you need what what can we do for you you know, do you need some more waters? You know, simple things like that. Um, so that's that's what, that's the culture we try to create on on set. It's just like a you know, we're all family. If you need something, reach out. Don't don't be nervous. Let's make let's make this fun. It's supposed to be scary, that. but let's make it fun. <laughs> I love right. We got work to do, but <laughs> but let's make it fun. Um, let's let's dive into more of the logistics of of the actual shoot. I'll still stick with you for a second, MJ. Um, Let's talk about these locations. We've got, we, you guys, I mean, it's a small production, but you were moving. There was stuff in there. So where are these houses? Were, were they all donated? Did you pay for them? Like, I need to know. That is all Chandrea. I mean, she is busting her tail to make all of this happen. She found the places. I think, I think uh, it was Airbnb. Yeah, Airbnb. You, okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Don't just skip over that. So... You went on Airbnb to book it for a shoot. Yeah, that's beautiful. All of them was is Airbnb, them. and it was something else. Um, something that Tony um recommended me. It's not Airbnb. Peer Space. That's what it is. Oh, Peer Space. Yeah, we use Peer Space here in LA. And then, so um, do you mind if I ask how many days we were at the house? I mean, that is expensive on Airbnb. That could add up. <laughs> oh, it's funny me. It's funny because when we did, we was only at the house for one day. Ooh, one day. Was it the, the card when you're playing poker? Uh, I no, think the poker two was two days. The poker was okay. two days. Wait, that was two days. Okay, Stevie. I was going to say, that's a lot to do in one day. Okay. Uncle Stevie's house was one day. Uncle Stevie's house was one day. Okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. Okay. And then um, Henry, as an actor, how many days were you on? Or that one day, right? I was just on for one day. Yeah. Uh, you, at you Uncle were, Stevie's house. You were with uh, Miss Braxton, so how was that? Oh my goodness, it was wonderful. You know, um, even though I'm so familiar with seeing celebrities, you know, I still see celebrities and I look and I'm like, okay, 
you know, I, I love Tawanda Braxton. So, you know, I'm a little nervous. So I get over there and she started joking about my iPhone. She said, you got to get rid of that iPhone uh, 5 you got. And so, you know, and oh, then I had to throw a joke you about it. <laughs> and then I have to... It's very much a brand. I love it. I would take it. I would take it. That's amazing. Well, then I told her, is it, then so I had to come back and say, you know what? Well, well, you're the rich lady, and we don't have that type of money that the rich lady has. But we really jail. We laugh so much that entire day. But she plays my cousin Camille, and yeah. I'm Kelvin. I'm the food truck mogul. So, you know, I'm down to earth, like, look, you want a rib sandwich? Come on out and get it. Come on with it. You know, her, she don't eat carbs. And, you know, Dr. Camille Young, think that she's better than everybody. Right. Or, right. You know, so we we come together and we still, we still, you know, we're still babies at heart, though. We come together. We can't stand each other, but we love each other. Yeah. So we meet with uh, our, our uncle. And even though we're older now, no matter how old you get, Sadie, how old you get, you still think you're a baby. Of <laughs> you course. still think you're a child. Of and course, like, especially around your elders. <laughs> and I'm like, um, Uncle Stevie, I'm trying to do my best to remain number one or think I'm number one and push her out of the way. And then she's pushing me out of the way. And at the end of the day, I want to choke her, but I love her. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and Uncle Stevie yeah. knows that. You know, we're just we're just some crazy people down the earth that wants to continue to hear these stories that he always tell us. And that's just it's, it's like, Johnny, I want my liver back. It just fascinates me. I'm like, OK, this is crazy. And it always uh, changes every time he tells us. So come on with it. Right, right. Again. You know, we did a great job because you guys have really great chemistry. It's very that could be very difficult, especially Albion. Um, as a director, giving someone like Tawanda direction, were you nervous? Because I get nervous when I have to do interviews with people that I'm like, I really admire you. And we're just doing an interview. <laughs> well, um, interestingly enough, this is, I believe, maybe the fourth project I worked on with Tawanda. Oh, um, oh cool. Yeah, I actually I recommended her to Chandrea uh, based on a previous kind of uh, thriller obsession type movie where on those projects, I was the AD. So it was a lot of me telling her what to do. So in a different yeah. capacity, she got to see a lighter side of me and um, <clears throat> really impressed with her abilities. And what was most interesting on this production was how quickly she and Henry got into this almost sibling family. We, we've been, uh, we grew up around each other from the time we were like four. And that kind of energy and, and uh, interaction, I think really translates well on the screen that it does look like they grew up together, that they've been fighting for attention since yeah. then. That, you know, not that they just met that day and then we were shooting in a couple of hours, you know. Mm -hmm. That's all, yeah. That, that, I mean, that also happens when there's just good people <laughs> like working on your projects. True, that's true. very, that's a very easy. So Sean, Shandrea, sorry, from my mouth. Um, you, you, you're shooting, everything's going, uh, how are you feeling at this moment watching like Tawanda Braxton and Henry and, and these actors reading list like reading your words out loud? It must be like a surreal experience. Okay, so when I get on set, I mean, okay, I'm a Virgo, right? So uh -oh. when I'm on set, and Emily is one too. So when we're on set, <laughs> Two <Virgos. I> really <laughs> can't, and, and Tawanda is one too. Oh God, so, three Virgos. So y'all just moving. It's just a, a oh, whole bunch of moving. <laughs> and Tony Bowen. Okay, you know what? <laughs> it's too many variables. Andrea, 
Sandra, you need to tell her that you didn't watch until the very last day of shooting. You didn't watch. Because yeah, I, I was like, so I would come in, do my producer role, and I would leave early so I could get prepared for the next day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I got to try to get prepared for the next day and get my head, you know, out of the game yeah. because originally I was going to direct the movie okay but I was so attached to it I was like I need somebody else to do it and I that's when he he was going he was asking me when I was about to tell him that I'm not going to direct I need for you to direct the film because I didn't want to be too attached to it I was already attached to it I was like I need someone else to you thought you wanted to be able to make um decisions because you'd be too gripped to mm-hmm. awesome that's really yeah. smart of you to know that about yourself it's good so, for so um but i think I, what was the last day the last day was the, the school stuff the coroner's office stuff, yeah. medical so examiner. i was able and i stayed to watch that and i was so happy um, i'm just happy with the whole project because the thing is i always want to work with tawanda yeah um on some type of capacity because i know that i knew that she could act but I didn't know if she would act in a horror. And then it took me five days to reach out to her. I had her number for like a whole week. After you mean after I mean, you her email? Out? Yes, it took me like a whole week to contact her about the project. I was like, "What should I do?" I'm like, "I'm away. I'm away. I'm away." Because we already had Tony Bun attached in 2020. Right. I don't know 2019. He just said when we were ready to film, let him know. Okay. So, so when Albion gave you Tawanda's number, it took you almost a week to contact the email her. address. Yeah, because you were email scared. Address. Yeah, I was like, she might say no. <laughs> no, no, almost blocked your own blessing. Oh no! Because we reached out to we reached out to some other actresses, you know, um, via Instagram, you know, through their contact, mm-hmm. but no one responded back. And I was like, well, I need to try to get another well-named person in here. Um, besides Tony Vaughn and Henry, I need yeah. another female, you know, to tell the beginning part of the story, the, when it goes into the full story, I can just, you know, get local actors, but I needed for this project, like we need another well-named actor, yeah. actress yeah. for that. Yeah. So we, it, it, it was time. I mean, it's time for us to begin working with some named actors and actresses because we want to get into that Hollywood independent um, yeah, you know, film industry, just not just independent, but Hollywood independent. Well, you'd be surprised. Um, even here in LA, I you know, I used to work for Leah Daniels Butler, and um, I was always shocked. She always told me, and hopefully, this is information that you guys can use as well, or anyone listening, you'd be surprised in how many actors you think that are out of your reach really just want to do good character pieces. And they don't get offers that much. And if you walk in and say, I have this story and I would like to offer it to you, you'd be surprised how many yeses you get. She always told me that. She's like, people think that this actor is out of range, but, and then you, I reach out and they're like, oh, you want me to play this part? I don't have to audition for it. And it's a great character piece. Awesome. I'm going to do it. So I, I, I'm really happy that you didn't uh, doubt yourself and, and tried to shortchange yourself. It took you five days, but it worked out, right? <laughs> yeah, it did. It took you a while. I bet it was a good lesson, you know, to learn. Like, we, we go and just go ahead and reach for the stars. Because <laughs> right. you got one. You reached up there and you got one. And um, she immediately um, responded back to the email 
and I gave her a character description. She said, I like it. So I sent her the script. She emailed me back. I'm two pages in and I'm already, uh, she was already loving the script two pages in. Awesome. See, but I also think that's a testament to Albion. Like if she had a poor experience with you before, she wouldn't have, you know, even offered up to be passed on as a contact, you know? I, I, I agree. You know, we get along on set really well. And yeah, like I said, I was just impressed uh, with her ability. Uh, really in the third film that we worked together, she got a, a meteor character, one that uh, she had to play a couple of different emotions, uh, even kind of getting killed and getting thrown up against the wall. And I was just like, oh, oh, we had to like step back. So yeah, we do have a pretty good relationship. Yeah, that's so important. I think even, I mean, yes, script is important, directing is important, but people want to work with good people. Like and people they like. And people they like, that they will literally take pay cuts, um, take vacation days to to work with people they like. MJ, I want to ask you about, you know, we talked so much about the cast and I, I'm not done with you yet, Ian Henry's, don't worry. But um, the crew, I want to know about the crew and where you, where you found these talented crew members and who, who else was it behind the camera besides you guys that were maybe missing today? Okay, um, so I didn't hire the... FX person and the DP, um, Al already knew those people, but I hired the main makeup person. Um, we went to high school together. We re re reconnected, um, and we went to high school together. And the last time I saw her, we were in tenth grade. What's her name? Her name is Shyline. It's not Jackson anymore because she got married. But Shyline. Yeah, Shyline Pettyjohn. Shyline. Shout out to you, makeup artist. Um, MJ, any PAs on set? She did a good job. Yeah, she did. Um, I think we were pretty much. <laughs> yeah, we had PAs on set. You had some um, PAs, but they were all hired yeah, through like Al. Yeah, and they were hired where? They was hired through Al. It was Al's. Um, some, Al. some people he have knew. A tribe. <laughs> you have a community here yeah. you don't just come as a director editor you also have a whole crew behind you <laughs> well yeah um it's, it's one of the things that i discussed with chandrea from um i guess her experience with the games that children play mm -hmm. she shot that over a period of months i think I forget how many but she went through a couple of different groups so she was expressing a little bit of the difficulty with some consistencies when you're bringing in you know as a DP to shoot the first half of your scene and then you may shoot another part of that, a different DP. And I was like, oh, work with some of these individuals. I can get you a good DP, great yeah. sound. We all know how important sound is. Um, <clears throat> then, and my second, my B-cam, for all people that I've worked with, and again, we're talking about those relationships, I knew that we were gonna have a small, tight crew. So I definitely wanted at least my heads to be people that I've worked with before, uh, that we almost have like a little shorthand and that we move quickly because we shot this entire project in four days. Guys, mm -hmm. so. give me stress. Can we name all those people who aren't here with us, Al, so we can make sure we shout them out and their hard work? So our DP was Andrew Fricks. Okay. Our uh, sound mixer was Alex Summers. Okay. Our B-cam operator was DeAndre Keeves. Okay. Okay. Um, then we went ahead and we interviewed for wardrobe, and I don't have 
her name off the top of my head. Her name is Kathy. That's right. She went by Cat. That's right. Cat. Okay. Yeah. Cat. Cat. Corey. McCree. Mm. Something. I think it's something. We'll like grab her. We'll grab her. But Cat. Okay. Cat and wardrobe. Okay. Okay. Um, my beautiful and very patient uh, lady did the wardrobe purchasing and helped, you know, bring a lot of Chandra's ideas and then mine to fruition because we definitely wanted each character to have a kind of a signature look and feel. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was instrumental in that because for me, it's just clothes, clothes, clothes. That's all I hear when I think fashion. I was like, yeah, maybe something that's like cute, which could mean anything. Uh, we did have, we had two PAs. Wait, wait, production. wait, you skipped over your lady's name. Are you keeping oh. her a secret? Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, maybe I need to. Or, or she's going to see this interview and then I'm going to have uh, some explaining to do. Uh, oh, her name, I, I got you, girl. <laughs> uh, I appreciate that. Um, her name is Shelby Powell. But usually when oh, I talk about her, I Shelby. always say, refer to her as my lady. So most people on sets know, oh, your lady. Uh, okay. If that's what, but we're going to get Shelby's name in here. Okay, I got her. Who's next? <laughs> okay, we want to uh, give a shout out. Oh, sorry. No, I'm just trying to think of Our production assistants were, should have their list from Brittany. Michaela. Was it Michaela? Yeah, Michaela was one of them. And Brit, was it Britain? Brit Britain, right. Not Britain, Britain. Yeah. Yes, um, and they did an amazing job of just being the two production assistants uh, floating everywhere we may meet them, whether it was gripping, uh, camera work, or at least getting lenses. That's a hard job. Good for them. I'll Set never design. go back. And we, and the prop really master, the prop master guy, I can't remember his name. I want to say it's Andy. I don't remember the prop master. Davis. Davis was the prop master. Yeah. Okay. I got my list. Okay. Shout out to Andrew, Alex, DeAndre, Kathy, Shelby, my lady, Britton, <laughs> Michaela, and Davis for all of your hard work. We see you. We may not remember your names last and Aaron first, but your hard work is shown on screen and you can't be with us today, but we're going to shout you out on the podcast because it's and, hard. And we got to give a shout out to my two friends from work, the set, the set decorators. Okay. Brittany... Oh my gosh, what Brittany Bruley and Amira Bass. Amir? Amira. Amira. Okay. Shout out to Brittany and Amira, the set decks doing their job. We love it. We love and it. And our BTS crew. Yes. We got a um, Ranisha Strickland. She's a um friend of ours. She's also a filmmaker herself, a director, writer, producer. Okay. Um, Christopher Williams. He he's on, he's a part of her team. And Meg. And they call themselves Resilience. I think that's the name of their company. Okay, Renisha, Crystal, and Meg of Resilience. Shout out to you for doing the BTS. And, Mar and Marcella Phillips for doing the interviews. Marcella doing the interviews. That's a big crew, you guys. You said it was small. It's a, that's a tribe. <laughs> but honestly, everyone, everyone we just read off and even the ones we're missing um those background artists and and some other cast members they're, they're all integral to make this uh movie and that's why i like saying everyone's names 
because for people listening to this, there's people listening to this that work in the industry, but most of the people listening to our podcast, they don't work in the industry. So they don't understand. Every last person on that list is integral to the success of this movie. And we've talked briefly about the PAs, Michaela and Britain, but I have to shout out PAs again. Not that everyone else is not doing a great job, but production assistant work is, <laughs> is hard. Mm -hmm. I've done it, I've been there, I've seen it. And um, if, it sounds like they did an amazing job. It's also one of the jobs, the most thankless jobs on the set. You know, do you think getting coffee is not a big deal? But getting coffee to the actor may mean a good take or a bad take. So thank right. you for the assistance and thank everyone on the crew. Um, oh, and I forgot our music. Um, Julian Andre Thomas. Julian Andre Thomas. We can't forget about the music. We appreciate you, composer. You know, um, composing is such an important piece to setting the tone of the film, or at least it would be so quiet and bland. And I heard the music in there. So shout out to you. Julian for doing your work. Um, so everyone involved, I really appreciate the work that you've done and I'm sure everyone who's with us today does as well. Now, Henry, I wanna do a round robin because we're gonna round, we're rounding out the interview here. I'm gonna start with Henry. Like, like I said before, people listening to this podcast, they, they probably, um, especially those from Atlanta are probably really excited to hear your advice and, and your tips. So. From an actor's perspective, Henry, because this is important because I think all of us who aren't, I'm not an actor, um, but I used to be. And um, as a producer, I work with talent very closely. You guys have great tips when it comes to like interacting with you. So I want to know, Henry, as an actor, what, what are your tips for um, crew members out there, people or people who want to be actors, let's we'll, we'll stick to yours. Let's we'll stick to your job description. <laughs> what advice do you have for the young aspiring actors out there? Well, first of all, I would say you've got to have confidence in yourself, what you bring to the table, and you have to remain teachable and humble throughout the process. There, mm -hmm. may, there may be some times when, you know, you feel that you're ready to be up front but you have to be realistic with yourself and actually study. And sometimes you may need to be in a background role, you know, so that you can see the industry in a, a different perspective before you can move forward and actually master being a principal actor. So it's a lot to understand. And I wanna say something that I was so blessed to be able to audition for Deadly Dispatch a couple of years ago. And, and I know you, and I want to tell, I just want to say, you know, thank you for giving me that opportunity because I actually made, got a call back. And oh I, and my I, God. <laughs> That's, oh my God. If you can, I, um, I'm a crybaby. That's amazing. I had no idea you were going to say that. Oh yeah. God. And, oh, uh, wow. and you know, you, to, to, to sit in the room, it, you know, everything just comes back to sit in the room with greatness, with your background, now being able to talk to us and, and teach us some things because you have an extensive background and an extensive, uh, uh, such a big part in this industry in just laying the foundation for other people that there's no way that we could all be where we are without your contribution. So I wanna tell you, thank you for everything that you've done. That callback took me from a very dark place when I wasn't getting anything. Stop stalking, I'm, I'm the worst. I'm a crier. 
you don't have no idea. My hormones are out of control. You can't finish. Podcast <laughs> is gonna turn really. No, continue. But <laughs> this, 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 we are doing a horror film, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I will. I was so it, things just come back, and I was so excited. I, I was in a, a very dark place. And you know how sometimes the actors are not getting jobs and you, you're yeah. auditioning, 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 you're not getting anything. And right at that point where I said, oh, forget it, I'm just gonna give up, I'm sick and tired of it, I can't do it anymore. I get the audition for um, Deadly Dispatch and then I make it all the way to the um, callback. So it, just because I didn't get the um, actual role, it doesn't, it, that taught me that Henry, you're still in the game. You have what it takes, but you've got to wait for your uh, role that's meant for you. And it just gave me so much strength at that time uh, to make it that far and to know that, hey, they see you. you. You know, a lot of times when we're not booking, we think that nobody sees us, but to make it to that callback, they see you. And that, that really blessed me. Oh my gosh. That in such a small world, uh, if, if you guys listening, I wrote Deadly Dispatch. So I can only give credit to the casting to LDB casting under Leah Daniels Butler. She was the casting director. And that's not the first time someone has told me that that story, you know, one of the women who were cast as a, a police officer in the movie I, I, she didn't tell me the story. My friend, Adrian went to an acting class where she was speaking and she told the story of how she landed the role in this movie, how she was this close to quitting and she was so depressed. And then she got this role and I was like, what? And then she had no idea that my best friend was sitting in the audience listening to her. I, oh, that is, uh, that is very nice, Henry. Thank you. And Shandrea can probably relate to this on this end as a writer where you're like, there's there's no movie if we don't write it you know (laughs) and it's really rare that we get compliments like that because you know people don't really see us we kind of fade and you know we're not really invited (laughs) (laughs) I think I had to buy my ticket to Atlanta just to go to set (laughs) because no one it's not in the budget to put the writer on set like it's just not there so um thank you Henry I had no idea (laughs) that you did you auditioned for that Um, and your advice to actors is point on it's point on sometimes you're not ready to be you think you are and you're not and there's nothing I did background when I first moved to LA in 2009 and mm-hmm. I watched and I learned and it was the best film school um it was better than paying for film school they were paying me <laughs> so I watched and I learned I watched Emma Stone I got to watch Scarlett Johansson and Robert Downey Jr and I'm just sitting in the background but I'm watching them and mm-hmm. I think you what you said is people are so ready to jump they have no idea that you're not (laughs) it's very grateful so (laughs) solid advice and a great story and uh i'm gonna cut the part of me crying because i'm a thug and i don't want (laughs) otherwise because then they won't be scared of me anymore and i thrive (laughs) on intimidating strangers now they're gonna know i'm just a big old bitch um mj advice for producers out there it's not it's not an easy job uh I love my women producers, especially because the girls, especially my Virgo producers, you guys are organized. I love a Google sheet and so do Virgos. So tell me your advice uh, for all the producers out there. 
Well, first I want to say Shandrea is a badass. Oh yeah. Shandrea is a mastermind behind all of this. Uh, I felt like I was more of her PA, just kind of help. Like Shandra, what can I do to help? Like she, she did hands down. As far as uh, producing my advice, I could go into how to be organized and I could go into um, all the things that it takes, but I really want to stretch. Like there's 50,000 things that you want to get done. I just want to say, remember to take that beat and take that breath and mm. schedule yourself some time for you and amongst all of the things that you're trying to accomplish. That was something that was really hard for me to, to learn, uh, try fill in all the roles of, you know, single mom, actor, producer, working three jobs, like doing everything. Just take that. Remember, you got to schedule some time for yourself, because if you're not fresh, then you're not going to be able to deal with people stay open I like what Henry I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on that train with what Henry said was stay teachable stay open um and yeah of course freaking you gotta be write stuff down you gotta be organized you gotta take notes so that you can get everything done and you're not like oh shit what did I forget mm -hmm. oh man I was supposed to do that thing like write all that shit down you're a mom yeah how old is your child he will be 18 in a few months. Ooh, you almost there, girl. Almost there. Um, it does not end when they are 18, I'll tell you what. I, I have twin <laughs> brothers that are 17. So I feel, I mean, I'm not a mom, but the 17 year old boys are not easy. So I feel you as a single, as I feel for my mama, I feel for all mamas out there. Um, I think the advice that you gave, especially about taking time out for yourself is so hard, especially for women, but you're, you're true. You're very true. I think it was Queen Beyonce who said this, or maybe it was Mariah Carey. One of the queens said it is like there, or I think it was Nicki Minaj. It was Miss Nicki Minaj who said it. Said this train does not move without me. So if I'm yeah. sick, if I get sick, or if I'm mentally in a bad place, people don't get paid. People yeah, don't yeah. work, and and I can't do. So I have to take that hour a day or whatever to meditate. She didn't say all that, but she basically said, I I am you know, the stem of everything. And I need yep. to make sure I'm okay to make sure all these just other- like, Just like you can't love anybody else before you love yourself, you know, mm -hmm. thing. Like you can't take care of anybody else if you don't exist. So you gotta take care of you first. <laughs> I do love that. I do love that. I do um, think that's important. I know some people listening are like, these are really good advices, but like I'm looking for more practical advice. So really quickly before I get to Albion, um, Circle back to Henry. Henry, where can actors find auditions and stuff? Because I just wanted to give them some also tangible tools because I don't want anyone to be like, oh, I listened and yeah, I didn't yeah. hear anything. Well, well, what's really important is I would tell every actor, please make sure that you're looking for reputable sources like an actor's access or casting networks and uh, things of that sort. Or even if you're not represented, go to a talent suit. Uh, there's, it, it is so much um, reputable uh, companies out there that you can use and make sure that you don't get involved in any type of scams that are making you pay money for headshots and different yeah. classes and things of that sort because they're going to get paid off of you and when you enter into a contract with a talent agent or a manager they're going to get paid off of what you book so just make sure that you do your homework and study so that you'll know what's a scam and what is uh, legit in the industry. It's really hard to decipher too. I know how I'm from Michigan. And so before I moved to LA, you just feel like any, any casting call you saw was 
so big, but I think it's important. He listed to you guys, actorsaccess.com. Now that does cost $68 a year for you to submit yourself, um, but it's free if you have a management, but it's not a scam. That one is actually legit. Like those are real casting calls and they do them by region. Um, and then the next one was um, network Oh, not network solutions. That is an email. Casting networks. Casting networks. They changed their yeah. name. They used to be LA uh-huh. Casting. Casting networks does mostly commercials. They do have some theatrical stuff. You also have to pay to put up a headshot and stuff, but that one's legit too. Those sites are really good if you don't have reps. Okay. You can self-submit and still get roles by yourself without reps. So those, those are legit sites. As for everything else, I know there's a lot of TikTok videos out there, like giving out casting calls. I think it's important to decipher most of the casting calls that you see online. And I know Henry can attest to this, are looking for very specific people like Vietnamese grandpas in their 80s who also do acrobats. Like that's 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 usually when you see an open casting call. And for everything else, it's probably a scam or it's a background artist job, which again is not nothing wrong with that, but just setting your expectations to know right. that that's a whole different job than technically an actor but thank you henry those are great resources um mj uh resources for producers like places for people who want to get in production work pas to find jobs in atlanta especially um she's like i don't know girl i got hired by my friend (laughs) well i mean I haven't dug that deep into it. I honestly, they've come to me. I've, um, I've worked with Chandra and then I've got some other writers that have come to me and been okay. like, Hey, I want you, like, I see you on set as an actor. Like, cause I was, you know, I'm an actor too. Yeah. And I see, I see you on set and you just kind of do things and you just, you, you know, things need to happen. And you just kind of took on a role of, you know, making stuff happen. Sure and enough. so they would, they liked my energy and they liked how I worked and how I just didn't wasn't just an actor I did I helped and I you know and so they come to me and they're like you know I've had people just come to me I'm actually producing a couple other projects and just like help me out what can I do and so I've just been like okay well here's what I've learned let's just do it so I don't know I haven't tried to no 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 no, no, no. don't that's (laughs) that's great advice that's actually a really great resource everyone's path is different you and I have similar paths where I never really had to do the job board thing because I was I'm just like I'm a Libra I'm not a Virgo but I'm very close I'm just like you and Chandrea when I was doing background work, I wasn't just doing background work. I was asking the crew members, they probably on the sets I was working on, they want to let you help move equipment because that's a liability thing. But I would ask them questions like, how do you do this job? What do you do this job? Can I come in an hour early and watch you do this job? I was that girl. And I'm still that girl. (laughs) I'm still the girl who asks questions and who will volunteer to tribute if you need any help. So I love that advice because I think that's very practical. If you're, you know, have zero experience, a job board isn't going to help you, right? Because no, you're competing with people who have years of experience. So what's going to help you is reaching out to people like you, Shandrea Albion, working on a set. Yes, sometimes that means free sometimes it doesn't but sometimes it means you come in for a couple hours of volunteer your time put you being the best person you can be the best a game you have and then people call you back like i i i so agree with you mj i love that you were like i don't know that world girl because people call me i love that energy because i just made that's what you're going for yeah I just made myself business cards. I was like, you know, this is what I want to do. And I made myself business Period. cards. I made sure I had them in my pocket. Period. So, so like when they 
uh, meet somebody on set and they're like, you know, I, I like you. I want to use you in the future. But like, here's love my card. Virgo. You know, of course, love Virgo. You're a producer too. Okay. I'm going to call you for this. She said, here's my Q, my QR code is on the back, my Instagram handle. I love a business focus. Yes. And that's, <laughs> that's, that's what they call the networking, right? Like you're, yeah. you're doing, you're reflective, your work. And then the mm-hmm. um, Albion, I need you to give advice because you, you, uh, as a director and editor, you see both post pre and post production. Um, I need you to give advice to the crew out there, to the DPs, to the sound, to all of the people and other directors. What is your advice? Well, as far as places to look, I go to, there's a few communities on Facebook that I'm a part of, um, the Atlanta film community, Georgia production, uh, and there's a couple of writers. Communities. But a lot of it, like they said before, is networking. So um, I AD a lot. So when you're on projects where you may not have- or Can you say what AD people, is? We might have some really uh, green people. Okay, um, assistant director, mm-hmm. uh, which is more of a managerial um, organizational onset and in pre-production than the actual creative aspect of the director. Right. But um, sometimes you need to take, like for instance, I really prefer to direct, but while I'm learning that skill, I'll take a different role, work with directors, work with line producers, network. Mm-hmm. So if there's a project coming up, uh, you're like, well, you know, I would like to direct that. Or as an editor, I'll, in this case in point with Chandrea, uh, I was like, well, I'll, since you're going to bring me in to edit the film, you know, I will direct for free if you want me to direct so I you can get more experience and more exposure um, in those aspects until yeah. you're like, oh yeah, you can get your credits up and then you can go to the job boards with, yes, I've done, I've DP'd these five films. Um, yeah. But when you're starting, it is definitely difficult, uh, especially if you're one of those key positions where the film kind of hinges on if you have someone doing sound and they've never held a boom mic, yeah, it can be pretty problematic. Uh, same yeah. with the DP and, and whatnot. So sometimes you have to take the PA job. That was the first thing I did was a PA on a romantic comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to be out in the rain picking up chairs and yeah. rose petals. But the like you were talking about earlier, where you're asking other people, where you do, you find the areas that you're really interested in, and you kind of like take a unofficial apprenticeship and you'll find out with a lot of people, especially when they're doing what they love, that they have no problem sharing stories and experience and even advice. So, and if you uh, respond in kind with respect and you know, you're so followed up, they're very happy to, to help and answer these questions. So. You, 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 you said something, I don't even know if you realize you said it, but I think it's probably the biggest piece of advice to give uh, people who want to be directors as well. Uh, you're an editor, you're an AD, you're a director. You've made yourself an invaluable tool. Like you've made yourself a person that people need to have. Robert Rodriguez, um, who who directed um, The Faculty, I think, I don't know if you guys ever saw The Faculty. It's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorites. Yeah, he also edited that film. Okay, oh. so like, I think what you, what you're saying also is like, you have to verse, you have to versatile you have to be versatile you have to know how to do more than one job i am i was i'm just like you abion not just asking questions but even even outside of movies i had to work in restaurants to make real money at the same time and uh i i just remember i started out as a cashier and then i moved about my way up to a waitress and then i realized 
that the waitress didn't make no money compared to the managers. And I started learning how to do all of like the returns and stuff. And I convinced my manager to make me a manager because I was like, I know everything. I know how to wash these dishes. I know how to go up here and serve this food. I know how to do the coffee. I know how to do, I can do anything in this restaurant. And they did. <laughs> and I actually started making some real money. It's the same thing with film. Like I know a lot of people are like, oh, I'm just not that person. I'm try in some areas. So if you're going to PA, know how to PA, ask some boom questions. You don't need to know how to hold the boom, but if you can grab the boom person, the equipment they're asking for, and you know a little bit about it, that already makes you invaluable. They want you on that set again. Um, so I think for, for, for what you saying, but you didn't really say it, it's like, you have to make yourself, I need to have this person on my set because they're, they know how to do everything. <laughs> like, I like True. that especially in independent projects where there's a lot of ambiguity between what you may do. Yes, you may be, right. say, the, the assistant director, but you may also be doing some PA work. You may be carrying stuff. At times, uh, there's a film project, our last day, our sound person in show. I'm calling, you know, quiet on set, but I'm also holding the boom mic and yeah. running behind the yeah. uh, DP on a fight scene. So having that definitely makes you make someone desire you to be there because they're like oh you know what if something happens I can go to this individual um and they can have it covered again also it being a pleasure to have on set so it's just it adds to your value you definitely uh, you're absolutely right it is it is uh imperative when it comes to independent filmmaking because like you said god forbid the sound designer got sick and no one knew how to boom what's the point like then we the whole production shuts down I don't think so. Um, but, and then switching over to Shandrea, that's something producers, that's producer 101, right? You know everything. You know how to book talent. You could act, you could jump in and read the lines if you had to. That's just, that's what producers have to do. They produce. Um, and that word is so convoluted between like, oh, it's executive producers, they find money and blah, 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 blah. I want you to give your advice. Um, and then I'll talk about writing, but your advice, especially as a producer to, uh, people who want to be producers, what the real work is, because I feel like it's a very glamorized title, but it is nothing glamorous about being a producer. Right. So toilets. I know you are to make sure the bathroom is clean for the talent. I just know you are. <laughs> so since I am the executive producer too, yes. so I you know put my my funding in there, but a producer role it is not easy. Mm -mm. Um, and especially when we went all the heads too, like producer, director, writer. It's never an easy task. Um, with producing, you want to make sure that locations are up to par and where, you know, just for the actors. I was skeptical about filming at the school for mm -hmm. because I was like, I, I only saw the pictures on, on Peer Space. I was like, I don't know what this looks like, but this looks creepy, a little scary. But then <laughs> I think it was either Tony or L. They went to the location and they said they have running water and they have lights and stuff. And that's what I was concerned about because exactly. I was um, scared because I thought it was abandoned, but it wasn't abandoned. It's just how it looked on the inside because it's the older school building, like a 1930s um, building. Yeah. It's a part of St. Anthony's Church that's here in Atlanta. So we filmed at the school that they used to have. But, but go back because you skipped over it. Okay. Y'all skipping over the good advice. I don't want you to skip over this. Your main concerns about that building wasn't visual. It was what? Safety. Safety. 
Y'all don't understand what she's trying to say. If there's no running water, they can't use the bathroom. If there's no lights, they're going to get hurt. Those are things producers look for that other people aren't looking at. They're not looking at, okay, well, what time does the sun go down? And how dark does it get on the East Wing? Do they have backup lights? Do they have floodlights? They have, what kind of lights they got? What kind of electricity they got for the G&E team? What kind of water? Like, is there hot water? Because we're going to need hot water if they're going to take a shot. Those are things that you're looking at. And that's really important. That I think a lot of people don't understand that's what producers do. You need to ask, what does your shirt say, Albion? Answer all questions. Question all answers. Exactly. And that's exactly what producers do. <laughs> Go ahead, Chandrea, though. And um, you just have to be able to be a, a great listener, too. Um, not just for yourself, but just for everyone on set. Mm. Because you're going to have people coming to you asking questions. If you are a producer, you need to be able to execute those questions. I mean, those answers efficiently without mm. an attitude. Some people, oh, okay, I should never ask that question. But right. you have to be a people person when you're a producer. Right, because you are, I mean, you're basically a manager. You're, you're managing all right. departments. Every department comes to you when there's, what you know what I always say? When there's no issues, the, the, everyone's good. When there's an issue, they blame the producers. <laughs> when there's no issues, you don't get the credit. And they're not like, this production team did such a good job. It's just like everything's happening the way it's supposed to happen. So no one comments on it. But when something goes wrong, you'd be the it's first the producer. One. Yep. Be, you'd be like, why didn't they do? Why is the food late? <laughs> why is the, why is and that's the issue that we had too the last day. Um, because my mom and I, we were craft services too. Hey, so, yeah. and I ordered from DoorDash and I don't know what happened, but it counted the order. I say, hi in the world. Mm-hmm. And that was the last of what was on the, um, the last one that we had left. And I think I got it through Uber Eats. Yeah. And they don't, they, Uber Eats do not give you a credit. No, you have to they, wait. Yep until you know two to three days i'm like oh my gosh and tomorrow was like what's wrong she somehow holding me to just change it went from mm-mm to i'm about to go out and she was like it's okay don't worry about it she said we don't have to eat i'm like uh yes you have to eat <laughs> we gotta eat we gotta eat so what did but you do i think because the, the shoot was so short it was from 12 to 4 mm-hmm. that we wouldn't have time to eat because we had to be gone from the okay so it just worked out that you didn't eat the food but still it was stressful yeah i get you i mean yeah you have to handle all the problems that no one else uh gets to see right like so that's that's tough um what do you have advice any advice for the writing side of uh writers who are out there who especially i know writers are listening to this like finally our turn there are writers out there who aren't producers and who don't want to co-produce and they don't want to co-direct and they don't want to act they just want to write but they need people to do that how do they find people to do that um to help them write no to help them get their their stuff um that's written made like how do they find out i think and an mj they would just have to go to film it's a um so this is on facebook and i don't know if it's i think it's, it's atlanta film production group Okay. I'm a part of that group now. And it's something else, Georgia something. I want to say it's Georgia film something. Mm-hmm. And I see a lot of notifications where people are looking for producers and writers for their projects, which have to make sure that if some of the gifts were paid, but then it was someone that posted that they needed 
a director and they said it's gonna pay no $12 an hour, so it's not gonna work um, for a director for like five days. So I don't think that's going to work um, because it was like a, I wanna say a full feature film, but 12 hours a day for eight hours a day, that's not what you need to be paying a, a director. So you have to be careful about those. Yeah. Um, those websites. But if you want to do that to gain this photo, I think it's good, good, a good thing. But make sure that food is, you know, you, you're receiving a hot meal. Yeah. Um, but as far as writers, I just say try to reach out to producers through that or just mm-hmm. I don't know because I don't reach out because I, I wear both a hat, both of the hats. Yeah. But I just think that it's just best for you to, if you can, try to put it on yourself and hire your own crew. That's what I was about to say. No, I, I actually, I like what you you, you highlighted, which is, um, I because I personally feel this way about writers too, y- you have to learn how to produce. You just have to. It, it, it is, and I'm not talking like full produce, like what Shandrea and MJ and I do, but um, I'm talking about learning how to meet people and packaging your your script if you want to see it get made and that that causes that's producing you reach out Mm -hmm. to people and going i have this i have that is a that is a type of production job um you have to learn how to do that or you won't have anyone to to help you especially if you don't have a a tribe or a group of friends like we're all blessed to have then what are you going to do you have to reach out to strangers and be very comfortable talking to people you have to find that kind of social currency uh, that you may not have, but you got to pull it out to get the work done. So I do, I agree with you in the sense of like, it's not just enough to be a writer. You got to produce, <laughs> like you got to yeah. learn how to do it. Yeah, and build uh, your confidence too. Yes, exactly. Okay. So, um, Johnny, I want my liver back. What's the timeline? When does the movie come out? So we have our first premiere February 9th. <gasps> that's soon. Is, yeah, that's very soon. And we are super excited. It's going to be at Landmark Theater, but we were sold out. We sold out in hey! December. So yeah, uh, uh, what, 90? 90 seats sold out within two weeks. Wait, 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 okay. Oh, you just, you all, y'all like to skate over this stuff. Um, it's premiering just at the Landmark Theater. Is it part of a festival or is it just, you're just having a premiere? I'm just having a premiere. You know what, period. I, that I like you because no one else is showing their film before or after mine. It's my film. So we all going to just sit here and watch one title today. So um, can you briefly outline, like, how did you get your movie at the Landmark Theater? Um, I have a relationship with them. Like, I always have all of my premieres at the Landmark yeah. um, Theater in Atlanta. Period. Okay. So it's February 9th. Um, it's sold out, y'all. But when can everyone else see it? <laughs> so we are going to try to have another showing like maybe five maybe like three in may i think three and uh, four in april okay. um I'm, I'm waiting i'm waiting to hear back from a grant that i am applying to so i can have more um viewings also a writer if you're a writer you also need to reach out to local government agencies for grants you hear that and that's for writers producers actors dancers whatever because i am i work in that field Mm -hmm. i work for the mayor's office of cultural affairs um in atlanta georgia and our department provide artists 
with grants and provo provide major art organizations and art organizations with grants. And it's, it's free government money. It's free government money, y'all. But um, what she's not telling you, because she's too sweet, I'll tell you, it, you're going to have to put in a little work. You're going to have to fill right. out some paperwork. And if you got the will and the want, you'll do it. It's right. not just one of those click and get free money things. Like mm -hmm. everything in life, nothing in life is like that. You need, if you want the money, you're going to have to fill out some paperwork. That's just it. But that's all they're asking. Isn't that nice? Right. <laughs> Thing. okay so we're going it's going to premiere on the 9th of february and then we'll have some shows in may and april and then will it be online eventually for everyone who doesn't live in atlanta um okay so the next day after the premiere on the i think the 10th i will have a special screening for those who were not able to make it so it'll probably be on vimeo um, okay so okay you're gonna have vimeo. to send us that invite so we can post it you know so yeah, because we need to get our numbers up and um, hopefully we can get it to some other streaming like a Apple TV player, yeah. maybe. Uh, I think it may be too short for Tubi, but we'll try to reach out to Tubi and Amazon Prime. Okay, all right, here we go. All right, um, with that said, that brings us to the, the end of our interview. Before I, we give a formal goodbye, I wanna do another round robin where everyone can give you their social media handles and let me know what you're working on next so the audience can follow you. We'll start with Henry, go. Basically, Henry Lewis Adams, just look me up on Facebook or IMDB. But if you just type Henry Lewis Adams in Google, guess what? I'm going to come up because I'm tried and true. And I just wanted to say this real quick. Albion is an awesome director. He gets the best out of you. And I appreciate you, brother. And I want to give you your flowers today because, man, you brought the best out of me in there. Because I normally don't do comedy. But, um, well, I don't normally don't do comedic roles, but you, you brought some good stuff out of me. Appreciate, appreciate you. Thank you. I love everyone giving flowers today. It's a beautiful flower giving day. Henry, what's next for you? Oh, you know what? I am actually uh, working to expand my base in New York. So I'm trying to, uh, well, I probably can't say, I, won't, I don't want to say that because I don't want them to get me, but I'm trying to work with some crime shows out of New York. Okay. Um, something a little bit more SAG based. And um, so I'm just trying to really dig myself deep into some, um, to more SAG um, after roles. Okay, you heard him. New York people listening, hit him up. He's on the, <laughs> the line. Um, MJ, uh, if you're on social media and you want to share, you don't have to share, by the way. I, I'm not trying to hold a gun to anyone's head. You can share. But um, also, what are you doing? What's up with you? I have been the worst about social media. Um, I do have just, I have a Facebook page. It's just uh, Emily Jane. It's be pretty easy to find. That's a, no, it's not there. Emily Jane. There's like 10,000 names if I'm not, there. I'm not keeping up with it as well. The okay. next project that I'm working on is, um, it's called Sugar Plums. And mm. it's a going to be like an anthology series. And it's just short films. They're like 15, 20 minutes long. Um, the first one we're shooting, we want it to be out by April 1st. It's called April Fool's. Nice. And um, it's kind of like, uh, it makes me think of like the Twilight Zone. Like it's not necessarily mm. horror, but it's not, I mean, it's got a little comic, comedic um, breath. It's probably like it, creep show really, then. It's really creepy. Like it's just creepy yeah. um, and awesome. weird. And you're producing that. Yeah. And I'm going to be directing the first, 
um, helping with casting, directing, kind of wearing a lot of the hats with this one because um, this is one of those that like the writer reached out to me and was like, because I've known him for like 15 years. I, he actually wrote the first film that I was in and we oh. kind of kept up with each other on Facebook over the years. And uh, yeah, so we're producing that series. The first episode will just be on like YouTube. We just want to try to get as many views as we can and get it out there. The next episodes, um, we've we haven't discussed exactly how we want to present them, but it's not going to be as easy to get to the next episode. So the first one just kind of pique your attention and get you to get into the next episode. Love it. Congratulations. You're a busy, busy Virgo woman. Um, I, I already know. And almost happy almost birthday to your son. Is that what you said? He's almost 18. Woo. Well, he's, it'll be in May, but it's, it feels, oh, it's just Dude. flying by. Like I feel like last week was New Year's. Like, where did this month yeah. go? <laughs> I, know, I know, right? It's already February. What's happening? Oh, um, that's great to hear, MJ. I can't wait to see what else you do. And I'll be watching, like, let us know when the uh, episode for April Fool's is on YouTube. We'll, we'll post it. Oh, um, cool. Albion, if you want to give out your social media handles, feel free. If not, you can just tell us what's next for you. <clears throat> this is one of the few times I actually feel old, although I do have social media. I don't know what any of my names are without actually looking at my computer and I'm in front of my phone. Okay. So I do feel like an old person right now. Um, <laughs> but I also know that it'd be hard to search because I use Al Walker actually for anonymity purposes to make it harder to find me. Okay. I'm weird like that. But right. uh, next I have um, ADing a coming of age series in a few weeks. Uh, we start shooting on the 14th. Nice. And well as uh, I guess the one hat that I didn't throw my name in is I'm also a writer. So I have um, a few features that I am working on completing. So between the 18 and that, that should comprise probably my next two or three months. There you go. Second quarter. We're going get, to get through the first and second quarter. Busy, busy and booked. I have a sneaky suspicion once you are ready to have your features made, you've got a good team to go to. So yeah. that's amazing. Networking, that powerful word. It never stops. Um, Tony's still with us. Hi, Tony. He can't talk for you guys, but Tony's been with us this whole time. Thank you so much for being here. And uh, if you want, you can email me later, like what's up with you, and I'll add it to the show. What's the talk? A little later. <laughs> what is that? Did he talk? I think you said he, he could talk. But Tony was kind of like that silent, uh, calm, <laughs> powerful presence that was always around on set, what? too. So oh. you're getting a, a good impression of what Tony was for us. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah i don't think jim and i do a lot of talking mm -hmm. wait he was saying something yeah, tony um you can find me on uh, my instagram it's dark forest films atlanta uh at this time me and Sandra is working on my my um my series my movie um, called the reaping of shallow falls and um we're currently writing right now this is part of the, um, the Okay, you said Dark Forces Films Atlanta. Dark Forest Films Atlanta. Dark Force Films Atlanta. You hear that? Is that that's every just Google that, you guys, and I'll bring it up, I'm sure. And that's Tony. We didn't get a chance to talk to him very much, but he's one of the producers as well. And he nodded a lot. So I think he agrees with most <laughs> things on here. Last but certainly not least, the woman that brought us all together, Shandrea, uh, where can the people find you and what, 
what's next for you? I'm almost exhausted to ask you what's next for you because it almost feels like you don't stop. He doesn't. Please run the list. I am Shandrea Elizabeth Carmichael, I think, on Facebook. And I am. Are you? You're Shandrea E, right? Yeah, Shandrea E. Carmichael. Okay, that's not. I don't know. I thought. I don't know. I thought I had a whole name on there. Um, and my Instagram is D R A E Y. D R A E Y eighty three. That's my Instagram. Dre Dre eighty three. And I am currently working on the Reef and Shallow Falls, and it's been a. It took us a while to get to <clears throat> finalizing the plot <clears throat> and everything. And so we want that to be a full feature film, and hopefully, hopefully, because I I love Viola Davis. I want her production company to help me to produce the project. Mm. Um, I know that she um, likes to work with, I guess, independent up and coming with Juvie Productions. And it's going to be a cross between Seven and The Silence of the Lambs. Ooh, that's so scary. (laughs) So the leads are, the, the leads are, um, two black female, one one detective, one in cold cases, mm-hmm. and a police chief trying to find out what's going on with the cop, trying to find out why these copycat murders are coming back to Shallow Falls. Ooh, I love a good murder mystery. Yes. Yeah. And this is a feature, a short? Yeah, a feature. Yeah, we want, we want to turn it to a feature because I don't think that our would be able to tell this story since it goes um, depth into the Reaper and how he became the Reaper, you know, kind of like Buffalo Bill. So it'd be like something like that. Yeah. Ooh, okay, okay. Well, let us know what goes on with that one because that's that's that sounds seven and Science of the Lamb. That's right up my alley. That's the kind of movie that so I like. That's going to take like seven months to actually write that and produce that. I, okay. seven I, I think we'll still be here i hope we're still here <laughs> you know uh, so just keep us updated but thank you everyone for for coming on the show and taking your time out on a saturday when we're taping this um this has been such a great conversation i love talking to independent filmmakers because y'all still like what you're doing and it's not just a numbers game with you you actually talk about the creative and you're very passionate about it um, there's something really uh, powerful to talk with other creatives and not just about money or work. We're just talking about the things that we love in our careers. Um, so uh, I really enjoyed having you on the show. Uh, Johnny, I want my liver back, you guys. We're going to look out for that special Vimeo uh, online presentation. But if you're in Atlanta, it's sold out. I don't know why I keep telling this to you. But if you're in Atlanta, maybe <laughs> if you sneak into the theater, you can stand and watch it. I don't know. I'm I'm not endorsing that you do that. I'm just saying. <laughs> but there will be showings and and later she did say there will be more showings in Atlanta. So thank you all for coming to the show. Don't hang up just yet. I'm just gonna say goodbye to all the rest of our listeners and we'll see you guys. And it is Black History Month when this episode airs. So happy Black History Month, everybody. Yeah. We're celebrating yes. I mean, all year long we celebrate Black History. This is Afro Horror, but we're particularly celebrating this year with our Black uh, Creator Spotlight, and all of you are in our spotlight. So thank you so much for being here. We'll see you guys next time on Afro Horror. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Afro Horror. Please subscribe and leave a comment if you'd like what you heard. We want to send a special shout out to Jaren Hemphill for our amazing logo design. Thanks, Jaren. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at, at Afro Horror or on our website, www.afrohorror.com. No copyright infringement was intended while recording this podcast. <laughs>